passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Special announcement, Barry. Yeah, give it to me. (laughs) Give it to them. (laughs) Give it to them. Give it to them. I'm going to give it to them right now. We got a special viewing party for the Knicks-Mavs game on November 2nd at 8.30 in the evening. That's right. Hosted by Knicks Film School and SB Nation Posting and Toasting. Knicks Fan TV will be there. The Nick of Time Show will be there. Craig and Barry will be there. That's me and you. That's us, yep. But the news is we have a location. It's going to be at Slattery's Midtown Pub. 36th street at 8th avenue and not only is it going to be cool just to you know hang out with everybody and watch the game but it's going to be for a good cause as well because all money spent that night um 10 of everything spent that night will be donated to garden of dreams charity right so that's slattery's midtown pub november 2nd for the mavs knicks game at 8 30 in the evening be there barry it is a hard knicks life this is season two Episode 12. Life as a Knicks fan has never been easy. We've been tortured for decades by a franchise that never seems to get it right. The Knicks most of us fell in love with. You know, those tough, defensive-minded, willing to do whatever it takes Knicks. The squads that fought tooth and nail for everything they got. The ones that had coaches hanging from legs of opposing players. Oakley, Mason, Starks, Ewing. Those Knicks represented everything our city stood for. But since we traded away the big guy, the greatest Nick of all time, our franchise has become a joke. Over the past 18 seasons, we've had only five playoff appearances, seven playoff wins, and just four winning seasons. But now, 19 years later, something feels different. We've got a front office finally committed to rebuilding the right way. We've got a new coach who is connecting with our players and our city. And we've got a roster filled with youth and potential. Oh, and big-time free agents are starting to list us amongst the teams they actually want to play for. But let's face it, we are Knicks fans. We go into every season with the feeling that maybe, just maybe, this year will be different. But we've been fooled before. So until it actually is different? Until those free agents start signing on the dotted line. Until our lottery picks become everything we think they can become. And until the team that takes the floor shares the same passion that we have. This is Randy from North Bergen. I'm Mark. I've been a Knicks fan for 24 years. This is Bart. I'm from D.C. Hey guys, this is Manny from Stanford. I'm since the early 90s. It is a hard. It's a hard. It is a hard. Knicks life. Knicks life. Knicks life. It is a hard Knicks life. Hey, Craig and Barry. I just listened to your latest podcast. 
Loved it. I love all your podcasts. My name's Ben. I'm originally from Staten Island. Now I'm living, you know, up in the country, so it's harder to get, you know, Knicks games and stuff, but I stay on top of it as much as I can. It's been horrible. It always seems like it's going to get better, but it gets worse, but now I'm I'm excited. I think we're all excited, but it's like a cautious kind of excited. I'm amped up for the season, you know? What's up, Knicks fans? We got the genius on the toilet, the king of his throne, the notebook-keeping, lineup-obsessed, the taller of the two, Debbie Gibson's biggest fan, the man who needs no introduction, <laughs> the man who needs no, <laughs> no introduction. Yeah, the man who needs no introducing, but I'm giving him a douche anyway. The man with the softest nipples on Long Island, Barry motherfucking D. And on the other side, welcome to the mic, the Knicks fan with the plan, Nilakina's biggest stand. Don't know what he's missing, not recording from the can. Long Island bread, love the Knicks till he's dead, speaks the truth without a care, wishing he had Ron Baker's hair. Craig Axelrod. <laughs> Whoa, Barry. You've deserved that big opening for a long time, <laughs> and now you got it. On today's show, guys, we're talking about the preseason to date. Who's winning the point guard competition? Walt Clyde Frazier is back in the Knicks. Good graces, Barry. Does that make sense? But he's finally getting a chance to talk to the young guys again and inspire some of those young players. Yep, Fizdale's keeping this going with, uh, you know, first having Ewing and now Frazier. So good stuff. That's right. He also made some comments about Frank. And whenever Frazier makes comments about Frank, he has a way of pissing me off. <laughs> so we'll look at that. Looks like Fizdale has his mind set on our starting power forward. And on the phone, the Knicks beat writer for the record, our boy, Chris Eisman. What's up, Barry? How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How wonderful. are you doing? Great. Hey, it was nice getting a chance to have dinner with you. Yeah. A few nights ago. Yeah, yeah it was a good dinner, actually. Yeah, went out with uh, the couples, minus my wife. <laughs> right. Yeah, three couples and Craig. <laughs> So we couldn't keep my daughter in her fucking crib. Well, you could have easily backed out. So I'm glad that you didn't. That you came solo anyway. What'd you eat that night? What did I eat that night? I had salmon that was like encrusted in pretzel and mustard. It was delicious. It was like the best salmon I ever had. It was out of this world. I've never heard of someone ordering the salmon and thinking it was out of this world. But well. This one was out of this world. One of my favorite parts of the evening was uh, your wife was going around the table asking if anyone was interested in fondue for dessert. Oh, I, I, was, I must have spaced out. I didn't even catch that. Oh, yeah. So I was sitting alone because I was there alone, but I'm sitting next to your wife. And she was like, Craig, would you eat fondue if I got it? I was like, no, I'm not. I don't do fondue. <laughs> like, I don't want to get any kind of dessert that I could just make at home in about a minute. You know what I mean, Barry? You just melt some chocolate. Yeah, but you're never going to do that. Are you really going to do that at home? I like the fondue. No, but if I really wanted fondue, you could do that at home. It's easy. Yeah, it's really easy. Want yeah. Dude, but then it's going to make a mess. You got to clean up after yourself. You got to kind of prepare all the stuff you want to dip in. I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to grab like one thing and that's it. At least at the restaurant, they're going to give you probably like, you know, five or six different things to dip in that shit. Barry, you could pretty much take anything out of your cabinet and dip it in chocolate and it's good. Next time I come over your house and you ask me if you can get me anything, I'm going to ask for fondue. I'll and we'll see I'll how quickly it. you snap to it. I'll make it for you in a, in a minute, guaranteed. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to it. With a variety of all kinds of things. Anyway, 
I say no, but Jason's wife says yes. She'll do fondue. She loves fondue, right? So I saw this. Oh, I saw this shit going down, Barry. Your wife ended up changing her mind about the fondue. Mm. Decided to do the cheesecake. Right. But didn't tell Jason's wife. Uh-oh. So Jason's wife is expecting the fondue. Oh. And I see your wife changing her mind into the cheesecake, but she doesn't tell oh, anybody. Is that why she didn't order anything? Yes. Because she thought she was sharing the fondue. Oh, see, I didn't pick up on any of that. Oh, yeah. I saw it all going down. I was like, I'm just going to let this hap- let this play out because <laughs> I think this is going to be fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, so then she had to pick from Jason's plate the dessert because she didn't have any for herself. Right, so the waiter, the waiter brings all the desserts. <laughs> He's like, who got the cheesecake? And everyone's looking all confused. And I'm like, and I point to your wife. And then Jason's wife was like, I thought you were getting the fondue. And I was like, yes, yeah, she did say she was getting the fondue. I heard it. <laughs> it was great. Barry, did you happen to catch the name of the horse that won one of the horse races at the Breeders? No, I don't follow horse racing. 70 to 1 odds, which might be our odds to win the championship. Check this out. They turn for home. Knicks go, leading Derby Date by five lengths off the turn. Signal Man, third toward the inside. Sombaye is fourth on the outside. Standard deviation, fifth down the center of the track, but well behind. Knicks go, and Knicks go at 70 to 1. Alvin Jimenez, Knicks go. Tremendous upset in the Claiborne Breeders' Futurity. One minute, 44.23 seconds. Knicks go. He wasn't that excited about it for 70 to 1 odds. You know, I thought these guys like usually like, you know, yell and jump out of their chair. What kind of horse announcer? I don't know. I don't know where that was. It was the Breeders' Futurity field. I don't know. Is that, is that, is that like a, a, is that a, is that anything? Or is that like a nothing race? I mean, it won $500,000, so that's something. Yeah, yeah, there's money. I don't know much about horse racing, but not only are we getting into a winning culture with the Knicks, Barry, everything that has to do with the Knicks, we're just winning. Yeah, I mean, we we got that horse racing. A a month ago, we heard the uh, Knicks won the NBA 2K championship online. Right. They're getting all these wins and circa things, which, which, by the way, uh, on Han Solo... You know, Alan Hahn's radio show on ESPN Radio the other night, he was giving away an NBA 2K, and they said, be the first caller. So I knew they were giving away. I had the number on my cell phone. I hit dial, and he's saying, be the first caller and answer the question, and it starts ringing. And uh-huh. sure enough, they pick up, and they said, are you calling for the contest? I said, yeah. They said, well, what's your answer? And I said, I didn't hear the question. Oh. So he said, what NBA team won the N- the inaugural NBA 2K online championships. And I said, the Knicks! And he said, that's right! And I won NBA 2K for Xbox One. Barry, are you fucking kidding me? No! How do I not no. know about this? I thought I fucking texted you about it. Oh, oh no, I tweeted it. I actually tweeted on uh, Twitter that I won. And I thanked uh, Alan Hahn. Did you get on the air? The, uh, my name got on the air, but I didn't get on the air. But yeah, they said, uh, you know, congrats to Barry Dworkin for, uh, you know, winning NBA 2K. It was, uh, it was the Knicks. Why would you tell them your name was like Barry Hardnick's Life Dworkin or something? I was almost going to say, you know, say the Hardnick's Life. I tweeted out something with Hardnick's Life. And obviously, if, if I would have gotten on the air with Alan, you know, I would have brought it up. Yeah, you should have been like, oh, my name is Hardnick Lifer. <laughs> Hardnick Lifer. <laughs> right. So, dude, we're just winning, winning, and winning. Winning, winning, and winning. Three and one this preseason. Fizdale was asked after I think we were three and zero about winning and if winning in preseason means anything to him. This is what he said. I love this. 
going three and zero in the preseason does it does it mean anything to you? Absolutely. You Heck yeah. <laughs> I want to win everything. I want to win every game. These guys we're building habits right now, and you know, winning is a habit. And so I don't care. Anytime we step on that court, if they decide to play checkers together, pool, ping pong, I want them competing, and I want them competing to win. And uh, we have to get that really deep rooted into who we are. That as long as it's time on the clock, we're trying to win the game. Um, and I feel like our our kids are really committed, and not taking this for granted, or not playing. They're not being cool about this or any of that. They're just coming out and really competing, trying to get be a good team. Checkers, pool, ping pong, Barry. He is so right. I love I love that. I love that quote from him. Horses. He's horses. NBA 2K. Barry, <laughs> host of Hard Nick's Life, winning the NBA 2K game on the Alan Hahn solo show. That's how it should have went down. No, but he's right. You, that's part of the culture, as silly as it may sound. Whatever you play, play to win the game, right? I and mean, we hear that enough. And it's true. You know who's not playing to win? Any of our fucking point guards. <laughs> it's pathetic. This point guard competition, Barry, I put competition in quotes. This is no competition. All this point guard competition is proving is that we really don't have a legitimate starting point guard. Pretty much. What are your feelings on uh, the Trey Burke versus Emmanuel Moutier versus Frank Nilakina? Look, Moutier, in my opinion, should not even be on this team. He's taken a spot from, I believe, anybody else. There's a there's hundred guys standing around waiting to get an NBA team, and Moutier's, uh, uh, you know, holding the spot. Moutier is not going to progress. He's just not. Some guys who are young like him. You know, it may not be playing well, but you can see that there's something there. He's not showing me anything to grasp onto to tell me that he's going to be a good player. Somehow he's in this three-point guard battle, but I don't even see how at this point you can put him ahead of Ron Baker. I agree. And Ron Baker is a guy I do want on this team. You got 15 roster spots. I want Ron Baker on, you know, as one of those 15. Him, you can, you can, you can put in there for me. I mean, with, with the, the way he plays. But Moutier does nothing for me, and... Not only that, I just don't see anything there. I mean, how do, this is so sad, Barry. I believe in Frank, and I think he's going to be... You know I like Frank, right? But let's just talk about how these guys are right now. These are the three most mediocre point guards battling it out. Add Baker in there, and it's four. Four, at best, mediocre, Barry. What are their stats so far this preseason? I know you got it down in your fucking notebook. <laughs> Give it to us. It's a handwritten notebook, right? Of course it's handwritten, Craig. Uh, so we got Nilakina, right? Nilakina is averaging six and a half points a game, okay, which is pretty much, I guess, where he was around last season for the whole season. But uh, in, this is in limited minutes, all these guys. Let's keep that in mind. Yes, limited minutes. Um, and, and in different roles. I mean, they're, they're being thrown out there, you know, with similar players, similar positions. On the ball, off the ball. So, you know, we're getting all different looks at these guys. But nonetheless, Nilakin is averaging six and a half points the first four games. Uh, 44% from the field, 50% from three. One and a half assists and one steal. And you said 50% from three. That's right. And 44% from f field from goal the field. percentage. Those blow the other guys out of the water. That's right. I mean, Trey Burke, who is known for his field goal percentage... You know, at least coming off of last season, he's shooting 34.4% from the field. 34.4%? From the field, 25% from three, averaging eight points. You know, and this is a guy you thought you can guarantee to get points from. We're going to talk about this later, 
in our surprises, disappointments, and as of the preseason, as being the guys who are okay. Trey Burke, for me, has been one of the biggest disappointments of the preseason. He does not have that same hunger and fire that we saw last year. I do. Is it just me, though? I do see a little fire on the defensive end that he's poking at the ball and he's quick and like I feel like he's holding his own there. Is it, am I am I not seeing? Oh, great. Now we're getting excited about guys fucking poking for the ball, Barry. <laughs> Look, I know he's not going to stop anybody, you know, if he if he ends up like, you know, getting a big guy on a switch and he's down like low in the post. But I feel like anywhere on the perimeter, I feel like he's up in the guy's face. He's staying in front of his man. You know, I've been content with his defense and that's been the big knock on him. All right. Well, the dude is shooting 34% from the field, so... Unacceptable. But wait till we hear Moutier's numbers, right, Barry? All right, Emmanuel Moutier. Make me cry. Sure, he's averaging two points per game. He's shooting 15% from the field. That's one five. (laughs) 15%. (laughs) This is a point guard competition. So point guard competition, you want to give this to him. He is leading the team in assists with four assists per game. Okay, so you want to give him a uh, a silver star for that. That's the one thing I think most of us have noticed from Moutier. Other than that, it's the same old Moutier from last year, Barry. I just don't see it. Walt Frazier, speaking of point guards, Walt Frazier had some comments about Frank, Barry, about how, like Frank, he was shy coming into the league and he wasn't great offensively. But he said about Frank, because he was able to turn around, there's still hope for him. Why is Frazier so mean to Frank? Why is he so mean to Frank? There's still hope for him? He's 20 years old, Barry. <laughs> and then in the broadcast of the of the Wizards game the other night, they were talking about this whole thing with Frank and and you know and the young guys, Knox too, getting acclimated to the NBA game. I think Breen asked Frazier, you know, when a rookie, when a 19-year-old, 20-year-old rookie comes into the NBA, how long does it take him to get acclimated to the point where instead of thinking so much, he's just reacting? Right, do you think right. he's going to say something like, you know, three to five years, maybe? He's going to say a year or two, you know, maybe right. after the rookie year. Frazier's right. like, half a season. <laughs> Fuck you, Frazier. You know what it is, though, too? I, I I don't think he's that mean to Frank all the time. I think you hear that. You have this huge crush on Frank Nilakina, okay? And it's almost like, you know how, like, Yankee fans will say that Joe Buck hates the Yankees and he always bashing the Yankees? And meanwhile, if like an impartial person actually listens to the broadcast the right way, he's not. He's being impartial. I think it's the same thing with you and Frazier. Frazier says there's hope for this kid, which some people could look at. Okay, that's a silver lining. He's not that great yet, but there's hope. You see it as there's hope for this kid. Why are you bashing him? Give him time to grow. I think it's, I think it's you. Have you heard the way he speaks about Kevin Knox in comparison to Frank? He speaks all the time about how Kevin Knox is off to an auspicious start <laughs> to his Knicks career. Give me a fucking break. And by the way, Walt Frazier, you know what he averaged as a rookie? Go ahead. And by the way, he came into the league as a 22-year-old. Here we go. Here comes the... the In 1967. Which, let's face it, it wasn't exactly the same level of players back then. 22-year-old rookie. I'm assuming that's after four years of college, Barry. Nine points a game in his rookie year. Is that so much better than Frank? I mean, he he figured it all out halfway through the season. Still averaged nine points a game. You got nothing to say to that? No, I'm not going down this road. No. You can't bash Frazier because everyone loves Frazier so much. No, I, look, I don't love Frazier, okay? But, you know, Mike Breen asked him his opinion. 
as a former NBA player, and he gave his opinion. What do you want? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on the guy because he averaged nine points a game in his rookie year? Take a guess how tall Frazier is. 6'7"? Six, 6'4". Six, is that weird? Oh, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> does Maybe seem next tall. to Mike Breen. I guess next to Mike Breen. <laughs> how tall is Mike Breen? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> well, he must be like 5'3". Yeah. <laughs> All right, Barry. Surprises, disappointments, and as eh, eh. All right, surprises from the preseason. Surprises. I mean, I'm surprised by Lance Thomas. Yep, me too. Happily surprised. Before this preseason, I was—he's one of those players that I was dying to just be gone, right? But there's not that much talent on this roster, and he's really showing that he can play defensively and he's just he's doing well offensively and that was the biggest knock on him last year he was so awkward getting to the basket never seemed to finish just sort of like drove in and chucked it up but this year he's under much more control he's gotten bigger Fizdale has said he's going to be the starting four to start the season and even though I never imagined that happening Barry uh, I agree with him yeah I've, I've got a take on Lance Thomas What's your take on Lance Thomas? Why he's Thomas? playing so well. So, okay. So Lance Thomas is 30 years old, right? But he gets this rap like he's this old veteran, you know, who, who hasn't shown us anything, and, and which is true, you know, except for his defense. Um, and the fans have been so disgusted from him because they feel like he's not going to get any better because, you know, the, the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But so far in this preseason, he's been playing really well. He's been showcasing, like you said, um, an all-around game. He's been contributing at both ends of the floor. And something's been re-energized in him. And to go back to the dog analogy, you know when you got an old dog at home and maybe you bring home a puppy and it just like re-energizes the dog, the dog springs to life? I think it's I think that's what's going on here. You got all these young rooks on this team that have sprung life back into the Knicks and it sparked something in Lance. And this dog has come to play. Hmm. What do you think about that? Interesting. We're talking about a career five-point score, 2.6 rebounder, locked in at the four spot while we wait for KP to come back. Yep. So he's either doing something right to change our minds or our team sucks. <laughs> My other surprise for the preseason, dude, Alonzo Trier. Crazy. Dude, there is nobody even close on the team to doing what he has been doing out there. So effortlessly they need to find your spot on this roster you know i don't care when it is but there, there's going to be a spot for him i mean this kid is nba ready i don't care about this two-way contract dude i think you just sign him to the deal right away i would cut moutier in a heartbeat i cut anyone in that fucking 13 to 15 range it doesn't matter trier should be one of the first few guys off the bench for us is there anybody currently more skilled offensively than trier no not even Hardaway, not Cantor. Hardaway's close, but he cannot, he cannot school guys the way Cheer has been. I'm sorry. I mean, Hardaway's quick when he's got like the whole floor to get somewhere, but coming from a standstill, dribbling the ball, I mean, the way Cheer cuts around guys is unbelievable. I mean, and he's strong. How and how the hell is he so strong, Barry? He doesn't look strong. He doesn't look strong. Um, I mean, he's 6'5", which he doesn't even look 6'5", but that's what he's listed as. He finishes his shots at the rim that look like nearly impossible. Right. He gets bumped down low. How many three-point plays has he had this preseason? A ton. He's gotten to the line 20 times. You know how many free throws he's made out of those 20? 20. 
He's 100% from the line shooting 20 for 20. I mean, this guy's got it all going on. Yeah, again, this is partly due to the lack of talent on our roster right now. But bottom line, for a guy who didn't even get drafted, he's one of the best players on this team right now. For sure. He's averaging 15.8 points per game out of the first four games, shooting 54% from the field, 37.5% from three. I already said 100% from the line. I mean, he's dynamite. Barry, if, if Trier like learned some point guard skills and moved the ball around a little bit more, yep. wouldn't he catapult himself to this point guard competition? Yeah, exactly, which is, my, which is why I would, I would ditch Moutier. Dude, one thing I noticed about Trey Burke this preseason, and this is why he's in my disappointments, is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like whenever he gets the ball offensively, he's thinking about himself first. Um, You think so? He's doing a lot of dribbling. He'll look around, but when he doesn't see anyone, his first instinct is to take the shot himself or dry, try to drive himself. Perhaps. I mean, I don't know. It could be the opposite because last year, that was always his instinct and it worked out for him. So maybe this year... He's thinking, you know, I got to develop myself more. I don't want to be known as this guy who's hogging the ball, who's taking all the shots. So maybe he's not going with his first instincts. He's, hes he's hesitating a little bit, looking for, a, you know, uh, somebody to get the ball away to, looking to make a play happen rather than take it himself. And then it ends up backfiring on him because he either waits too long, doesn't see anything, and then does take it himself or the play blows up. Right. It's going to be interesting to watch him this season because it's different than last year, right? He joined the team after like half a season with the G League and KP wasn't around for long. Yep. And eventually there was no one else. To, he didn't need to pass to anybody. There was no one on that team. Yep, it's a totally different situation. You're absolutely right. It was like a Cinderella story last year. He was coming up from nothing. Now he's got all these high expectations. It's a totally different situation. You're right. And he needs to share the ball this time around. I don't think Fizdale is going to stand for that. Last year, the games were meaningless, and there was no one. At, we weren't running anyone out there who was good offensively. So Trey Burke was the point guard, but he was also like the number one scoring option. I mean, who else was out there with him? Isaiah Hicks, Luke Cornett. <laughs> uh, you're making me sick. Who else? Who else disappointed you, Barry? I don't know if Trey Burke disappointed you, but anyone disappoint you? Um, yeah, I guess I'll go with Hazonia. Uh, we had a couple of glimpses of sometimes what he can do. I mean, but even when he finishes plays strong, there's a little bit of awkwardness there for me. And just overall, you know, for the most part through this preseason, he's just been coming up short. He's been, I'm not going to say lazy. He's been careless. I'll say that. And uh, so, you know, I had a little bit higher expectations for him. Hazonia is great in the open court. Yeah, it seems like he's got good vision. He could, you know, he's, he can kind of see the whole play develop. I mean, he's one of our better finishers on the break. From what I can tell, and at six foot eight, that's pretty good. Yeah, you know, speaking of running the breaks, I love this pushing the pace Knicks team. Though, you know, they just got to be careful about not getting back on defense because a lot of teams are going to run on them if they don't. You know, there's a lot of times where they do run the, the fast breaks, they they complete it, and whether it's a made shot or a missed shot, the other teams are coming back at them, and they've been a little slow getting back. Is Tim Hardaway Jr. one of your disappointments for the preseason? Um, or is he no, an eh? he's an eh. He's definitely an eh. You know, what are his numbers this preseason? 14.8 points per game, 38.8% uh, from the field, 38% from three. Do you have Cantor's um, up there? Yeah. yeah Cantor's not in any of my surprises, disappointments, or ads because he's, he's Cantor, man. He, he's Cantor. He's, he's good. Yep, he's good. He, so he played the first three games, he, um, and he averaged 16 points, 16.3 points, 50% from the field. I mean, it's Cantor. Um, where are we on rebounds? 13.3 rebounds. I mean, this guy's a lock. You know what so what do you getting. think? For, for 
for like if we did power rankings for the preseason, you got Cantor at the top and then Alonzo Trier. Yeah, yeah, and Hardaway's not that far behind. Well, where where does Kevin Knox fit in for you in the surprises, disappointments, or as? Well, disappointed. You know, we we have these huge high hopes. Maybe they're higher than they should be. Um, but you know, again, it's a, whenever you get a top ten pick and their future is a blank slate. You hope for the best, you know, you hope for this like amazing season, you know, um, we know the type of athlete that he is and athlete, his, athlete, yeah, athlete. what did I say? Is athlete? that how you say athlete? Athlete. Athlete. How do you say, what? What's Ath- the difference? I say athlete. Oh, like a, like Apple? Yeah. Oh, I say a, like after. Athlete. Never athlete. Heard Okay, athlete. All right, you're right. Yours sounds better. So he's a good athlete. Uh, we just got to hope that his shot starts to fall, you know? Hope that he looks more like Miles Bridges this preseason. So what's he shooting this preseason? Uh, so Knox is 10.3 points, 34.9 from the field, which is, you know, really low. Uh, 17.6% from three. You know, he's been, he's been bricking a lot of them. And then, there, you know, there's been some shots that have just been, you know, a little short. But, uh, you know, 7.3 rebounds. I think he shot similarly in the summer league. So we haven't really seen his shot falling at all. Yes, he's definitely been more impressive driving to the basket. So I'll give you somebody that's only been playing 10 minutes per game. But when he's in there, you notice him. And that's Ron Baker. That's right. This guy's like Rudy. He's, <laughs> he's always competing in the red, man. Like he's got something to prove. And I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's had something to prove his whole life. But, I mean, diving for balls as always, up in guys' face, making shit happen. Again, 15 guys on this team. I want Ron Baker on that team. Yeah, I certainly want Baker ahead of Moody at this point. Totally. All right, Barry. Well, I think it's good to get some other perspectives. And on the phone right now, we've got the Knicks beat writer for the record, Chris Eisman. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. What's been going on with the Knicks lately? You've been close to the team. What's the mood like after their first preseason loss? Oh, I mean, it, it certainly was not um, a good game for them in any way. Uh, but, you know, it's the preseason, so there wasn't a whole lot of concern after that. It, you know, they had played well the first three games, so I think it was more so just um, – kind of a look at what it's going to be like at times during the season. You know, Fisdale said they're going to look their age at times, and they did last night. So it wasn't the end of the world, but I think that they are they know that there's going to be more days like that. Uh, do you think it's almost a positive that they at least didn't go undefeated the preseason to kind of let reality set in before they get into the regular season? Well, I, I mean, I guess that certainly can't hurt. Um, but I don't know if this is a team that really felt really could feel overly confident to think that they were just going to, you know, that if they, even if they went undefeated, that they were going to continue that into the regular season. I don't think that David Fisdale was really letting that thought creep into their minds. So I'm not even sure that they needed that, but it certainly can't hurt to know that, hey, it's not going to be. You know, Fisdale said last night, too, that there's a learning moment in, you know, when you go down and you beat a team on their home court, they're going to want to try and come back and beat you on your home court um, if they have any pride. So I think that he, he kind of used that as learning um you know, as a lesson for them. So I, I think that it, there certainly are positives to take out of that for them, for a young team, a developing team. So so Frank Nolakina got his first start of the preseason. How do you think this point guard competition is playing out so far? You know, it's been really intriguing to watch. And I, I think the thing is that nobody has really 
come out and declare themselves that they should be the starter, but nobody's necessarily done anything to completely lose it, although you could probably make the argument that Moutier has not helped himself, um, and I don't think it's going to be Moutier at starting. Um, it's been intriguing to watch. I, I think that Fisdale, there is something to the fact that he really does not want to label Frank as a point guard, and he wants to kind of use him in, in, as a more, um, you know, as a flexible. He likes his, his versatility, um, so I, I would not be surprised if he likes to use him more off the bench in a, in a shooting guard type of role. Um, you know, he said the other day, he said Trey Burke is a point guard. He said, Frank, what do you call him? And he, and he has a point. What do you call him? And he just wants to call him a guard. He doesn't want to label him as anything. Uh, this whole race has been intriguing to watch, and, and I'm not sure that Fisdale, or I, I know that Fisdale is not putting a whole lot of emphasis on designated somebody necessarily as the starter. It's more so just what combinations work best. They're all going to get their minutes. He said nobody's going to play more than 28 minutes a game, so they're all going to play. I think he's looking at more so the combinations than saying, hey, this guy's my starter because X, Y, and Z. Do you have a hunch on, on who you see being the two players to start in the backcourt for the Knicks this season? I would, I mean, I, I think that Tim is going to definitely start. And then I would say, I, I this is me taking a, a guess at this point. I would say Burke is, is the ultimate starter once the regular season starts. Um, I, like I said, I, I just think that David Fisdale likes him in that role and then kind of bring Frank off the bench in, in more of an off-the-ball type of role. But, again, that could change. And I, I think that... Anything that starts off, you know, on Wednesday against the Hawks, that starting lineup might not be the same thing on Friday against the Nets. I mean, it, it's almost like he's kind of going to continue to tinker it. He said that nothing that happens early on is going to necessarily be what he goes with through the first few weeks of the season. So it's going to, it could continue to change. So, Chris, some reports came out today about the Joakim Noah situation and the Knicks planning to release him or waive him by, I believe, the 15th? Yep. Any anything you can add to that? I mean, I, I think that at some point this has to end. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that they wanted to start the season with this kind of hovering over them, um, especially because I do think that if they want to create a roster spot for a guy like Noah Vonley, this would be the way to do it. And I think that they were kind of just waiting to see if, you know, eventually they could either find a deal or if, if Joe Kimno would agree to give any money back, and that clearly hasn't happened, so they're kind of setting themselves up to this deadline. Um, which I think is smart for them, you know, if, if they're they're being patient with it at least until once the season starts. But I, I think that they just don't want this hovering over, you know, that like I said, hovering over them once the season begins, and they're going to kind of want to clear themselves of this. Right. So you mentioned waving Joakim will open up a roster spot. Who do you see as some of the odd men out of the 15-man roster to start the season? Well, if you cut uh, Joakim, if you cut him, then that, then you're down to 14, and then you would. I mean, I would see them adding Vonley. I don't think that they're going to add Trier because he's on a two-way deal anyway, so there's not necessarily a reason to tear that up. There's no rush to do that. You wouldn't really need to do that until December probably. So you don't think that Fizdale's comments about, you know, no matter what, the best 15 are making that roster, you think they're going to make an exception for Trier just because they already have him locked into a two-way? He, You know, he said that, and then he also said that Trier's, Trier is ours either way. So I think that... Trier's kind of in that in-between spot where it's not like if he says, you know, if he doesn't make the 15 that he's not going to be there. He's still going to be there. He could be there. He's going to be there a lot probably. It's just a matter of, you know, when they get to a point where they have, where his 45 days is up, then they have to make a move. But I, I, I he's in that, like I said, he's in that kind of weird spot where it's not like he's not making a roster at all. He's still going to be there. 
Um, but I think that if they have that roster spot when they get rid of Joaquin Noah and they wanted to give it to a guy who they could lose altogether, you would give it to a guy like Noah Fonley. Kevin Knox has been averaging the most minutes per game out of any Nick this season with just over 28. And we know the reason behind it, you know, as far as getting him accustomed to the play of the NBA. But do you think it could be a detriment if he continues to struggle and it could kind of be towing the line between adjusting to the game but also maybe losing his confidence altogether? You know, I think that that's where David Fisdale kind of has to work that, you know, that player development background. And, and I, I don't think that he's concerned about this at this point, um, concerned about that at this point, I should say. You know, Knox has said that they've spoken that, you know, Fisdale seems like it's told them just, you know, stay with it. You know, it's going to take some time. And I, I think that that's where that becomes that really important that Fisdale's reiterating to, reiterating to him that, you know, you're 19 years old, you're learning the NBA for the first time. Don't get down on yourself if it's not easy in preseason or in the first few weeks of the regular season or if it's not easy at all in your rookie year. So I think that Fisdale wants to get him a lot of minutes now, and he said he wants to try and fast-track him. And I think Knox, Knox said last night that he's glad he's getting those minutes. He doesn't really want to come out of the game. He wants to keep learning, stay in the game, continue to learn the speed of the game. And I think that's important for him. And I don't think that Knox's confidence is necessarily a problem right now at this point. You know, if it continues into the regular season, maybe then Fisdale's going to have to do, find a way to kind of work that a little bit. But at this point in time, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a huge concern. Chris, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like Knox is pretty much a lock to be the starting three on the team. We know he had a strong summer league, right? He hasn't had a great preseason. Why is he give, being given that lock, but a guy like Frank, you know, has to fight for his spot amongst, to be honest some not great point guards. <laughs> I know Knox, there's not many players for him to fight for the three spot against, but the same can be said about Frank. Well, I think that's exactly it. I, I, I mean, you look at that roster, I mean, who is, who is Kevin Knox really beating out for that three spot? Like, who is, is there anybody else that really is, like, like I said, declaring them that they should be the starter? I, I don't really think that that's necessarily the case at this point. Don't you think that, I mean, I'm just using it in comparison to the whole Trey Burke, Frank Moutier situation. Yeah, I mean, Mario Hazonia, Tim Hardaway Jr. started some games at the three last year. Um, I mean, these guys are comparable to the point guard situation right now. You know, why aren't those guys fighting for that spot with Knox? He's just being given it pretty much outright. And we haven't really seen that much from him yet. His shooting has been putrid. His shooting has not been good. He, um, <laughs> there's no question about that. But the, I think the thing with that is that they like it. The shot looks okay. They're just not falling, and they can correct that. You know, they, they believe that they're going to start to fall, so they're not overly concerned about that. Look, he's definitely had some struggles, and there's no question about that. But I think that they, if you have a guy that you want to be, you know, a real part of your core for the future, you need to evaluate him now. You need to get him those minutes now. And I think that they want to kind of give him that role now, get him used to it. Um, and I just think, you know, I, the situation with Frank is a little bit different because I don't know if, you know, I'm not sure if they feel like he's definitely their long-term point guard. I, I don't know if they want him specifically in that role, whereas they know that they want Knox as their small forward. What are your thoughts on Lance Thomas? Has he suddenly become a solid NBA player for us? They, Fizdale really likes the um, the veteran leadership that he's on. He actually played pretty well in preseason. Yeah. Um, he, and he's very good defensively. And look, you need defense in that starting five. There's not a lot of great defensive players. 
So if you need defense in that, especially if you start Trey Burke at point guard, if you're not starting Frank and you start Trey, then that's a defensive liability right there. So you need to find somebody who can give you that, and, and Lance does give him that at the four. Um, and, and Mario Hazoni has not played all that well in preseason to kind of make himself, you know, the front runner for that job. So I think that Lance has done enough to take that. And, and the thing with this team is that there isn't anybody, with the exception of maybe Ennis and Tim, that if they don't start, you could say, oh, that's a slap in the face, or they deserve to start. It's kind of like they're not in that position. So I, I think that Lance getting that role is not a, a detriment for anybody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just like I, I just don't think that that's – a bad thing for them to have somebody who does give them defense and does give them kind of a veteran leadership on a young team. You need that that type of presence in your starting five, and he does bring that. Right, Sim- similar to Knox to the three. There's really no one. The depth at the four is just as bad. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> speaking speaking of vets, what's going on with Courtney Lee? Is he's really has a strained neck? Craig and I were talking earlier, and I think you know Craig thinks it's uh, it's suspect the sprained neck of his. I don't know. I mean, I certainly have not gotten that sense. I, I think that they are just really being careful with it. And, you know, Fisdale said that it's, they don't want him to collide and injure it more. Um, it's definitely hurting to him to not even see what he could bring them, you know, and, and give them in any sort of role. And Fisdale said that he kind of wanted to see what, what he could do. I, I, I don't think it's suspect um, at this point. I don't think we could say that. But, it certainly is not helping matters that they haven't been been able to see how he works with this group and how he's you know would work in Fisdale's system. That's for sure. Mitchell Robinson going to be ready to go for the final preseason game. I don't know. Well, today is tomorrow's Wednesday. I, I would say that there's a good chance of that. Yeah, I mean that they you know if that was a playoff game the other night he would have been able to play, but um, you know they were obviously taking it easy in preseason, so. I think that there's certainly a chance by that point he would be able to, but I also could see them continuing to rest him until the start of the season. But before the game and warm-ups, he, he looked to be moving around okay, so I would certainly say that there's a good chance that he's available. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you to Chris Eisman. Remember, you can reach out to us. It's a hardnickslife at gmail.com. If you want to get your voice on the show, leave us a voicemail. Tell him how to do it, Barry. You pick up the phone and you dial 516-33-MESH-1. That's 516-336-3741. For all of those that can't spell. Do we have any fans that can't spell? I mean, probably. <laughs> Our next preseason game, Friday against Brooklyn. Time to show those motherfuckers in Brooklyn who the team in New York is again. Yeah. Again, what's Barry. up? What's, what's up with the verified Twitter account of the Brooklyn Nets, like taking little shots at the Knicks and Knox and all that? You see that they're today? Bitches. They're bitches, Barry. It's Brooklyn. It's the Brooklyn Nets, the New Jersey Nets. Nobody cares about them. It's like the little brother syndrome. Is that a syndrome? Little brother syndrome? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. We're a joke, but they're a bigger joke. <laughs> That's right. That's a good way to look at it. Sure. <laughs> And then, Barry, we got the start of the regular season next Wednesday at home against Atlanta. You're going. Are you pumped? I am so excited. You know, I love going to any Knicks game, but to go to opening night this year, I am super excited. So because of that, guys, we won't have a podcast right after the show. You can thank Barry for that. 
You don't, like next... doing, you don't like doing podcasts right after games anyway. Who are you kidding? It's late. Exactly. So if we're being real, you could thank me later. <laughs> we're not doing a podcast after that game. Well, it's con- it worked out conveniently for me, but the real blame is Barry because if he wasn't if he wasn't going, we would be having the podcast, even though I'd be fucking miserable the whole time. It kind of throws off the schedule anyway. We usually do our podcast either at the end of the weekend or the very beginning of the week, and Wednesday smack what? in the middle. We'll throw everything off. Well, let's talk about that. So, when is our next podcast? So everybody knows. Uh, start of the season is Wednesday. We usually do it Tuesday night. Is that a good idea? Um, maybe that, maybe that is a good, good idea. Yeah, that could be good. All right, we'll do the next podcast, guys. You heard it from Barry. Tuesday night, the 16th, the day before we kick off the regular season. One. O-N-E. One. Opening night eve. What? Opening night o- eve, motherfucker. Opening night eve. That's right. The night before opening night. The night before opening night. It's a thing. I just made it a thing. T-N-O-N-E. T-N-O-N-E. No, wait. T-N-B-O-N-E. T-N-B-O-N-E? T-N-Bone. And what is so, that? That's the night before opening night. Oh, no. Eve. There's no, there's no E. T-N-B-O-N. This is the stupidest fucking thing ever, Barry. Okay. Well, until next time. I feel like I've been cursing excessively on this show. No, again. I think you're all right. Your cursing, like the over-under with your cursing is like 14. And I think you might have even been in the under tonight. Should we find out? Yeah, well, you'll listen on the playback. Somebody count. You know what? We'll play all the curses on the way out right now. <laughs> You're really making a job for yourself tonight, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to regret this later, dude. <laughs> but, he, but I can't wait. It's going to take me hours to put that together. It's a hard Nick's life. Barry, motherfucking fucking crib. Why is this shit going down, Barry? Barry, are you fucking kidding me? Any of our fucking point guards. Fucking notebook. Guys fucking poking for the ball, Barry. <laughs> Fuck you, Frazier. Give me a fucking break. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I cut anyone in that fucking 13. Time to show those motherfuckers in Brooklyn, even though I'd be fucking mid. This is the stupidest fucking thing ever, Barry. Okay. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.